Blog Talk Radio. Anyways, so 
I camp up in Lake George, and I decided we'd go up and check out the set tour and at Treconderoga. I went up there, and I walked in, and there were some glorious Klingons sitting at this table for the Klingon Assault Group. Now, I'm a Klingon from way, way back. I got into being a Klingon when I saw Michael Dorn's Wharf, and way back in 1988, I dressed up as a Klingon. I made my... I made my head out of Vaseline, and it melted on me. It was a nightmare. But I met Michael Dorn dressed up as a Klingon, and I've been a Klingon ever since then. And I stopped being a Klingon when I got married and had a family and whatnot, and I got back into it much, much later. And that's when I ran into the CAG guys up at Treconderoga, and they were so cool. We hung out and had a great time, and then I decided to join CAG. And uh, that was about, I think it was three years ago, might have been two. I'm not sure with this COVID, my mind is all scrambled. But it was the last time we went up to Trek Conderoga. And I've been a member ever since. And I've been wanting to do something like this to help you guys find out about CAG and learn a little bit about CAG and what it's about and what it means to be a member. And here we are in our first fireside chat. So I've got a lot of great people on the line with us that we're going to talk to. And we're going to, talk, we're going to start off with Cecil. How are you doing tonight, Cecil? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm just uh, talking a little bit about myself. Um, I am uh, 42, going to be 42 this uh, March. Uh, I am originally from North Carolina, uh, but I lived in South America, Ecuador. Um, the way I became involved with uh, um, the CAG was very simple. I... Uh, attended Dragon Con um, in 2008 and met uh, some kick-ass Andorians. And uh, a few years later, I decided to move to Massachusetts, and uh, uh, they adopted me as uh, a uh, one of their members in their ship. Um, I, I really love going to cons, and I Star Trek, I feel like, was one of those things where my mother loved Star Trek, and she instilled that uh, about comic books and all that. She she definitely had that, uh, you know, geek blood in in her, and uh, she definitely passed that on to me uh, because I really liked uh, sci-fi and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty much an avid congoer with. COVID-19, I really have enjoyed most of all these kinds of interactions because it gets, I feel like I've interacted more with people of sci-fi culture than I have in the last few years. But because I, I think when con happens, you're so involved with uh, just going there and having fun and eating that I, here, I think I've kind of, we've kind of like, you can sit down and listen to people, but uh, yeah, that's uh the short of it. Now, Cecil, you mentioned that you were a um, an Andorian. So one of the things that I, I think I am, is unique I am not, about the Klingon Assault Group. I am a Romulan. I, I am a Romulan. Oh, a Romulan. I'm sorry, I want to correct that. Yes. Okay. So uh, the Klingon Assault Group, uh, tell people about it. You don't have to be a Klingon, correct? Yes. Do you want me to jump in here, Cecil? Please, please. The captain may speak. <laughs> Um, So hi, I'm Nico. Uh, I am the commanding officer of the Wild Frontier Quadrant as well as the uh, XLV Coralas. XLV stands for Xeno Legion Vessel. We are um, part of the Imperial Xeno Legion segment of CAG, um, which includes uh, non-Klingon alien warriors. So basically, uh, if you are a non-human member of a spacefaring alien race, whether it is from within the Star Trek universe or not, you are welcome within um, CAG's Imperial Xeno Legion. Yeah, and and Nico, one of the things about CAG is, what's the membership? How much does it cost to join CAG? So CAG is, uh, in in contrast to uh, Starfleet International and some other fan groups, um, CAG is free to join, um, free to participate in, and um, 
does not have a whole lot of rules. Um, we don't do a 12-point inspection of your costume um, like the 501st or uh, some other fan groups would. Um, so basically, come as you are, um, whether or not you, um, I mean, we're all kind of on the same level financially, um, since it, it's really all about participation and um, how much you want to um, both give to it and get out of it. Yeah, that's the guys that I met up at Trekanaroga really got me interested because of they were just so much fun. They were having fun. And that's, to me, that's right. what it's all about, is having fun. And if somebody's listening and they want to become a member of the Klingon Assault Group, how would they reach out? How would they go about doing that? Um, so the, the simplest way to do so is to visit CAG.org. That's K-A-G dot O-R-G. Um, you can actually use um, the feature to search for your local quadrant, um, submit a form indicating your interest, and that will go directly to um, the quadrant commander of the region that you are in. Um, they will link you with your local ship, or if there's another ship you'd like to join, you can kind of go from there. But yeah, CAG.org is where we have really um, centralized all our operations. And how big, with the exception of the Wild Frontier Quadrant, which is where we're located, how, how big is CAG? How, where do all the other quadrants reach out to? Um, so to my knowledge, CAG um, stands worldwide. Um, I, I think it's mostly centralized in North America. Um, there are different quadrants within um, the U.S. and Canada, and there is uh, it, the name of the international group fleet is slipping my mind. Um, but CAG does span worldwide, so wherever you are on uh, on Terra, there is a uh, there is a CAG ship that can, uh, if it's not near you, it can fly to you, and you can participate. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> we also have there's also the quartermaster if you're a member of CAG, and that's where I got some of the pieces for my Klingon costume from. There's a Facebook page. Um, there's all kinds of ways that you can reach out to other fans. And hopefully hopefully this podcast of the Wild Frontier Quadrant, our fire chat number one, uh, will continue, and we'll be able to do this again at, at a later date, yet to be determined. And you guys will be able to call and ask questions or share your stories with us. That's what I'm hoping for. And our phone number here is 646-668-2433. And oddly enough, that's the same number for every podcast that I'm involved in because that's the phone number that we pay for. So any one of our podcasts, you can reach us on that phone number live. So um, put it in speed dial <laughs> and give us a call. So, uh, Nico, what do you want to tell people that are listening about your ship and the kind of things that you guys do? Um, yeah, sure. So I, um, I am one of the Andorians that Cecil had previously mentioned. Uh, my Klingon persona's name is uh, IXL Major Thelazir Vestai Chaletlane. Um, uh, the nickname for that would be L. Um, the Coralas has existed since 2013 as a Xeno-Legion vessel. Um, we're fairly small, um, and we are located in eastern Massachusetts, uh, specifically Brockton, uh, there, though we do have some other members that are um, a little bit farther away and some that are out of state as well. Um, we're, our membership uh, ranks are open to anyone willing to join. Um, we're a very uh, welcoming ship. We do actually have Klingons aboard in addition to our um, Andorian, uh, Bajoran, and Romulan members. We do have uh, two Klingons as well. Um, so yeah, we're very welcoming. Um, specifically, we're very LGBT friendly. Um, a lot of our members um, are part of that community. So we um, that's part of our identity as well. Um, but the uh, as far as how I got started in CAG, um, I'm from uh, Massachusetts, originally the South Shore area. Uh, I grew up in Marshfield. Um, but for a few years in the uh, early 2000s, uh, Vinny, my CEO, and myself lived in Georgia um, for college, uh, where we started attending Dragon Con. Um, so we had kind of been going every year since 2006 as our Andorian characters. And eventually in 2011, we were recruited into CAG. And I had the same question you presented, which is, but wait. We're not Klingons, um, which is how I learned about the Xeno Legion. We're very excited to kind of get things rolling. Um, 
the it wasn't clear to me whether there was an active uh, CAG presence in our area at home in Massachusetts, which I, I later found out there was, but we, we kind of just started out doing our own thing um, with, with the coral ass and eventually kind of joined into the uh, rich history, uh, actually, of the quadrant um, with the, our um, neighboring ships, um, specifically the IKB Shadow's Edge. Um, so we, yeah, we've been going since 2013. Um, Traditionally, uh, we had been attending Dragon Con and participating in the parade. That was kind of our big thing. Uh, we did that till we actually only did that till about 2016, um, and kind of focused our efforts uh, more locally since then, uh, collaborating with other chapters and competing against other Starfleet chapters in the area. Um, so that's it as far as the Corlath. As far as myself, um, I'm a lifelong Star Trek fan. Uh, in particular, my dad uh, was a huge geek. Um, he was kind of—he was a kid, kind of in the heyday of the original series. He had written a letter to Gene Roddenberry asking uh, if he could have one of their uniforms when they were done filming the show. Uh, <laughs> sadly, he didn't get one, um, but that kind of same uh, desire, persistence for um, both the fandom and, and kind of just for a better um, future for humanity. Um, that, that came from my dad. Um, so yeah, I've always loved Star Trek. Um, it's always been part of me and I'm very happy to say that it is still part of me and, and now it's part of my social life as well. And you know, something that you said that I think is very important that I want to reiterate to everybody. And that is that I think it, the idic, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. And I think that's something that Star Trek holds very near and dear and something that's very important to, some, to most of us that are involved in Star Trek. Actually, I think anybody that's involved in Star Trek would say the idic is, is very, very important. And you brought that up when you were talking about your ship as well. And I think that's great. Mm-hmm. That's very important. Uh, we, that you are all, all inclusive and that's, that's the way it should be. Right. Uh, CAG as a whole, um, you know, prides itself on being inclusive, but I, I had, I personally thought that that needed to be said um, a little bit louder. So that's why I I am reiterating that point. And um, I'm very happy to see that other ships have been doing that as well. Yes, because I think that as Star Trek fans, um, I want everybody to feel welcome. I don't want anybody to feel excluded and, and nobody should ever feel left out. And I think that if you're a Star Trek fan, then we welcome you into our Star Trek family, period, cut and dry, end of story. There's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. You're welcome and you're part of the family, the end. Um, and I think that's great. That's what makes Star Trek so special and so unique. Absolutely. So, and uh, but wait, there's more because we also have Rita on the line with us. So uh, Rita, how you doing tonight? Hi, it's a, it's Rydia. It's like Lydia but with an R. Oh, oh I, I'm sorry, I spelled it wrong when I when I put it on the screen there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Secret right. alter ego. <laughs> there was so, um, there was some right. confusion when. When we were talking at the beginning of the show, and I, I put your name down, then I changed to something else, and I and I get it got all messed up. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. Um, so yeah, my name is Rydia. Um, I actually don't feel comfortable talking that much, so I'm going to keep it a little short. Um, luckily, uh, my story is the same as Nico's, almost. <laughs> Um, that, that cuts down on it a bit. Um, so I'm the XO on the Coralath. Um, my Andorian persona is Savinian. I go by Vinny for short. Um, see, I got into Star Trek at a pretty young age as well. My, um, I would watch the original series movies with my mom, and that was, like, my first introduction to it. And then just, like, it just sort of slowly, like, just kept seeping into my life, like, just becoming part of my life. And I just got more and more into it over the years. And what what is the biggest thing about Star Trek that attracted you to it? What what attracted you and kept you involved for so long? Um, I think it's uh just their their vision of the future, just like the hope hope for humanity. I think. Yes, that's yeah, and 
with all the different Star Trek clubs out there, what drew you to CAG? Um, well, I mean, exactly the same story as Nico. Um, we uh, we joined. We were, we were together when we were recruited. We were, we were approached at the same time. Um, but we've also we've been a couple for a long time before we even got married. We've been married for we, a long we time. We met in so. kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, like, it, it happened at the same time. We were already super invested in Star Trek um, at that point, and it just, we, it sounded great. It sounded fun. Yeah, I, I hear that. I, I, I get that completely. Um, so, uh, we also have on the line, we have Audrey, and uh, why do you want to jump in and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I got involved in Star Trek uh, with Rydia as a little kid, and I've watched, like, Next Gen and, like, Deep Space Nine, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, that it is. I've, I've, been, and I've been involved with <laughs> and I've been involved with CAG since Dragon Con of, 2000, I'm going to say 2012. I, I think... Uh... I think you joined the Coralath, I want to say, in 2014, when I think that might have been the first year you did the parade with us. Um, I can look back and see, but it it was around there. That seems about right. (laughs) So uh, uh, Audrey is uh, Rydia's little brother. Now, you guys keep talking about Dragon Con. That's in Atlanta, Georgia? Yeah, so... uh, uh, yep, it is. It's uh, huge, <laughs> um, and it's it really kind of became um, our fandom home for us for a while, even though it is so far away. Um, our first Dragon Con again that we attended was in uh, 2006, uh, right before Rydia and I moved out of Georgia um, after college. Um, and then, you know, we we loved it so much, we just kept making the uh, trek down there, um, which is where we met uh, Cecil as well, who has uh, since relocated from uh, North Carolina to Massachusetts um, here with us in Brockton. But um, yeah, even though it is, it, you know, a good 20 hour drive, um, it, it, it DragonCon really kind of did become our, our big yearly event. And it, it wasn't until really recently that the Coralat started focusing on uh, local efforts. Now, um, I've been to a couple of conventions in Massachusetts, like uh, uh, Super Mega Fest we've been to. Um, what's another, another one? Uh, Monster Mania. Um, we've been to a couple of them in Massachusetts. Um, are there any local ones that you guys attend that, that are located in the Wild Frontier Quadrant There, where people that live in that area could go to meet you guys? Yeah, absolutely. What, when so, COVID is over? Yeah, <laughs> Um So we first attended Aresia in 2014, um, and we did have a, a CAG fan table there. Um, we didn't attend again until until 2020. Uh, we had a really great Aresia last year, um, particularly in collaboration with um, the USS Aries, IKV Shadow's Edge, um, IKV Lisbon Falls, IKV Lone Wolf, um, but kind of the other uh, Eastern Massachusetts area ships. We all had a really great time at um, at Dragon Con, not Aresia, in the January 2020, which was you know before everything kind of uh, went to hell. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, that kind of. Right. Uh, that, yep. that 2020 Aresia kind of really laid the foundation for us to um, definitely start communicating more with the local chapters, um, kind of ramp things up. Um, at the time, I was uh, the quadrant commander. I had briefly stepped down um, after that, but I am again quadrant commander. But that um, Paul, the uh, the last quadrant commander, and myself had really kind of started this like beautiful back and forth trying to like uh, reinvigorate things. Um, so I would say Aresia is kind of our, our new fandom home um, that we're going to keep coming back to. And uh, I, the thing that we really loved about Dragon Con is the thing that Aresia shares, which is that it is a, um, a fan run convention. It's, um, 
you know, there's, there's panels to just kind of talk about fandom. It's not, um, you're not just going there to buy some merch and get an autograph. It's really about everything but those things, um, which is the, the aspect of fandom that I, I love. Um, in the past, I've attended, you know, Dragon Con, Shore Leave, Farpoint, Aresia, and it, it, it is those fan-run conventions with um, kind of those histories that really, um, those are what do it for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I hear you because back in the in the early '90s, I ran a couple of Star Trek conventions in upstate New York, fan conventions. Uh, unfortunately, there's a convention company whose name shall not be mentioned that just crushed me <laughs> like a bug under their heel, and uh, that was it. I did four, and I could never do another one again. So, and I I agree. I wanted to bring fans. I wanted to have a, a convention by the fans for the fans that was about fandom. So I, I understand completely what you're talking about. And I agree with you totally, 100%. Right, and we have attended, um, you know, conventions from the company that shall not be named that used to uh, have conventions in this, in this area and has uh, since centralized them elsewhere for exorbitant amounts of money. But And, and you know, those are great. They're great opportunities to see the actors, but um, – you know, the, the interactions they've had with fans in the past um, leave a bitter taste in my mouth. And, um, you know, I just I don't have the budget to <laughs> to really partake in those as well. So, yeah, I, um, I the, the fan conventions that have been able to kind of survive over the years, I think, are really kind of what keep me involved in fandom. Yeah, I mentioned Trek Conderoga up in Ticonderoga, New York, where they have the original series set tour. And I've been going up there uh, for three years now, minus COVID, and um, waving my batlet around, dressed up as a Klingon. Uh, I'm the only Klingon there. I don't know what happened to the local tag group that used to be there, but they haven't been there since I first met them. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. but so, so I'm up there waving my batlet around and just uh, having some fun meeting people and uh hanging out and i usually end up running the game room upstairs and we'll we'll teach people how to play star trek attack wing and uh i'll hang out there and just take pictures with people and they want to touch my bat list and stuff like that and i'm always up for people touching my bat list so um it's fun i i i i I enjoy it i really do um i my wife and i went down to rhode island comic-con a couple of years ago, of course, before COVID. And I was dressed mm-hmm. up as a Klingon. And again, I, I was the only Klingon there. And you know what? This blows my mind. Cause if you guys think back to when Star Trek conventions were the only conventions, every time you went to a convention, you would see Klingons everywhere. We were all over the place. Right. And now I'm like the only Klingon. It's really weird. So when we're walking on the line to go into Rhode Island Comic Con and there's 30,000 people there and I'm the only Klingon I'm walking down the road with my wife uh, and I'm with my batlet and this little kid is standing maybe he was 8 or 9 years old on his mother's side and he starts pointing at me and he's hiding behind his mother and his mother calls me over and thinks that I'm Worf which I'm not but that's okay <laughs> and uh, the little kid you know, Worf is his favorite character, and he wants to get a picture with Worf. And I'm like, cool. And the kid's face just lit up like a Christmas tree. And he held my bat lift, which was bigger than him, and uh, got a picture with me. And just his mother thanked me so much, and the kid was so happy. And that made the whole trip worthwhile to me. Right there, I was like, wow. That right, that right there is why... I do what I do, and it was it was the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> Even though he thought I was warped, which I wasn't. That's okay. Right. Yeah. I, I love yeah, it. Yeah, we've had um, it, it, similar experiences. <laughs> we've had a lot of people think that we're snorks or smurfs, and, you know, they still get real excited. So <laughs> it's kind of, yep. you know, I, um, I, I've also noticed kind of the decline of the public face of Klingon fandom. Um, you know, in addition to CAG, there were also other prominent Klingon fan organizations. And outside of Trek-specific con- um, conventions, you really don't see as many as you used to, which is kind of what, you know, even though my persona is not specifically a Klingon, it kind of 
I really feel kind of a responsibility to uh, kind of uphold traditions uh, that CAG has established. Um, I know there's some older folks that may not be able to participate as they once used to. Um, so being part of this is, is really important to me and it, it's really gratifying to be part of part of this and kind of help bring things back, um, both bring people back into the fray and kind of bring a younger generation into things too. And I, I love it. I, um, I find myself, oddly enough, I find myself being the, most of the conventions we go to, I'm the only Klingon there, um, which, is, which is fine with me. Because everybody remembers me. Oh, you're you're that Klingon dude. Well, yeah, that's me, <laughs> and that's fine. I'll go up to Trek Kyroga, right. and someone will come up to me and say, "Oh, you're that Klingon guy from last year." Yep, that's me. So I love it. I, I think it's great, <laughs> and they can call me the Klingon dude. I don't have a problem as long as it, as long as they're getting involved in Star Trek and they're up and they're going to uphold the ideals and standards that I feel Star Trek represents. Then I'm all for it. I, I don't care. Klingon and Dorian doesn't matter to me. <laughs> Just come on over and have good right. fun, you know. Right. And, you know, I, I I was up at a convention again in the early years when I met Michael Dorn in the early, in the eighties, and I was dressed up as Warp at that time. And my wife and I, my wife was an Andorian. I got to tell you the story about that. This was like <laughs> in the early days of makeup, and uh, like we were like in our twenties at the time, and I spray painted my wife blue. Yes, I spray painted her blue. <laughs> oh no! Put the white, I put the white hair on her with the antenna, and she looked great. She was a great Andorian, and I was a Klingon. I was actually Warp. And uh, we're walking from our hotel room, and there's this lady following us. This is up in Buffalo, New York. This lady's following us. I'm like, we're being stalked. This is weird. Everywhere we went, she followed us. We got on the elevator. She got on the elevator. She didn't say anything. We got off the elevator. She got off the elevator, followed us through the lobby. We're like, "Uh uh-oh, this is weird. So finally, finally the woman comes up to us, and she says to me, hey, hey, I know you. You're that that guy from that show. You're that that, that wharf guy. I said, no, no, I'm not. She says, yeah, yeah. My my husband loves you. You're his favorite character. I said, well, I'm not wharf. I'm just... I'm just a guy dressed up as Worf. And she's, oh, my husband loves you. It doesn't matter. So she wants me to sign a picture for her husband. I'm like, what? You want my autograph? She says, yeah, my husband loves it. I'm like, oh, okay. What do you want me to sign? So she gives me this picture and to Bob from Worf. And I signed it to Bob from Worf. And she thanked me. And off she went down the lobby to give her husband the picture of that she met Worf. So Somewhere in Buffalo, New York, there's a dude with a picture of Worf hanging up that was signed by me, and the only time someone ever asked me for an autograph. That's so good. That's so, pretty good. You know, I, I enjoy I enjoy Star Trek fandom, and I enjoy sharing all the stories that I've amassed over my years with fans, and hopefully that will excite people and make them want to get involved in CAG, um, like I did and reach out to us and become part of this Star Trek family because we really are a giant family. Yeah. You know, I, I think we're a giant family. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I, I do agree with that. And the best thing about, you know, fandom is that you have family everywhere. Like no matter where you go, it's like, you know, you, you walk into, you know, a, a fan event and you're like, you know, these are my people. I'm home. It, it, it's not really location dependent, but yeah, it, it is really cool. I, I definitely encourage folks to get involved, not only for like, you know, the fun fandom aspect of dressing up and having people ooh and awe over your awesome costume. You know, you don't even have to have a completed costume um, or as we call them in CAG uniforms um, to participate. It could be a t-shirt with your ship's logo. Um, you know, it could really be anything that the uniform aspect is really to just kind of gain rank and honor. Um, the work that CAG does really, um, uh, what we do on the day-to-day outside of conventions really centers around uh, giving and charity work. Um, in the past, we've shown up to uh, blood drives. We did a great, uh, a few years ago, we had this um, fantastic Mandalorians versus Andorians blood drive in Providence. Um, you know, we've, we've donated to um, 
food pantries. Um, Toys for Tots is a big thing that CAG also participates in. Um, and it's really about kind of getting the word out there while doing good. Yeah, recently here, uh, pre-COVID, obviously, we had an intergalactic toy drive. And uh, it was done by a local 501 uh, group. So they were all uh, stormtroopers and Darth Vader and stuff like that. And here I was, the only Klingon, <laughs> again. Yep, I'm but, familiar uh, with that feeling. <laughs> but it was fun. And uh, I, I had a blast. And we, we collected a lot of toys for a lot of needy children. And it was a blast. And I loved it. It was so much fun. Picking on all the Star Wars fans. And, and fun, of course. It was fun. Right. Had a really good time. Back to my story with my wife, though. <laughs> I spray painted her blue. Okay. Just like and actual like spray paint paint. Yes. You paint yes. That. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when the convention was over, and we go back to our room, and I I went and took a shower and washed off all my brown wharf makeup and my. <laughs> it was her turn to take a shower, and the blue didn't come off. <laughs> Yeah. I, I scrubbed her with Comet, with 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 uh, brushes. <sighs> oh my God! And she was she was a light blue for about a week after that. Mm. <laughs> I could I could yeah. never get her to dress up in costume again after that. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that being um, you know, traumatic. I I'm glad that makeup uh, technology has improved since then. <laughs> Um, uh, it's it's a little tedious um, when you're kind of applying it with a, a water-based makeup rather than a spray paint can. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, we do have an that. airbrush as well. We just haven't used it. Um, but yeah, I I know that uh, people can be very creative, especially back in the day when you know things weren't available that are now. Um, so well, I think they're. Even though that sounds like a, a harrowing experience, the, the creativity is impressive, and I, I hope you have photos somewhere. Oh, I, oh, we do, we do. I, I want, I have always have people ask me, where did you get your Klingon head? And I always want to tell people, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money um, to to be a Klingon. And I'm going to share with you guys right now a little secret that people are totally they can't believe it when I tell them this, but. You can buy a Klingon head, well, maybe not now anymore, but just about anywhere, because my Klingon head actually is dun 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 da a troll from the Lord of the Rings. And what I did is I bought a <laughs> troll mask. I cut the ears off because troll has trolls have pointed ears. I cut the ears off the troll, and I cut the the the, the big teethy mouthy part off. I cut it off on top of the eyes. So that all I have is the top of the head, the ears, and the wig. And I cut the ears off, which you can't see anyways because it's under the wig. And boom, I got a Klingon head. Simple. Love it. Easy. I, <laughs> I picked up the troll mask at, at, a, at a Walmart on the discount rack for 5 bucks, and just cut the bottom off and cut the ears off. I had a Klingon head. That's simple. That's great. <laughs> and people, people don't believe it, but I'm like, yeah, this is actually a troll from the Lord of the Rings, but when I put it on with the rest of the outfit, my bat list, guess what? Now I'm a Klingon. Right. It's that easy. <laughs> so, anyways, Audrey, uh, you could have been awful quiet. You want to jump into the conversation and share any stories with the people that are listening? Yeah. Um, so, I've been to Dragon Con as an Andorian since 2012 till like 2016 we took a break for dragon con for like certain years between like then and now um so we're gonna try to go to dragon con if if things go well with like covid situation or something like that we were gonna go to dragon con this year and probably be andorians when we go to the parade but if right, we, that, uh, that's my fingers <laughs> crossed that if if I mean if if it goes well with COVID situation, I was gonna say no. they're already starting to cancel conventions already for for 2021. I haven't heard anything about Dragon Con yet though. 
Yeah, I don't see it being safe to assemble 80,000 people in one place any time this year. Um, but we do. Um, so the thing with Dragon Con is it, it has gotten so big that it is, uh, it's hard to get a hotel room in one of the five-plus host hotels that they have now. So we did get our hotel room and kind of you know, decided if it was going to happen, we're going to go this year because um, we haven't been in a while, because we all kind of need a, to get out of here for a while. Um, so we, you know, we got our badges, we got our, our room, um, we have our plane tickets. Um, I, I personally don't see it actually happening this year. I'm uh, a little nervous if it does happen. <laughs> um, I'm not sure I would, I would actually want to go. Um, in terms of doing the parade, Audrey, uh, I mean, we can talk about it, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure we would be participating in the parade this year. I, I think we would be yeah. probably wearing masks and laying low um, <laughs> if we do end up there. But yeah, um, kind of going back to the fact that DragonCon is our 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 history uh, in our our ship itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah DragonCon is one. huge. It's huge because uh, I remember um, I did a few conventions in North Carolina and always heard about DragonCon. Uh, being this big thing. And in 2007, I went with little money that I had, but I remember having a blast. And because I think DragonCon is one of those big conventions where it doesn't matter what you like, there's something for everyone there. And oh, yeah. I, I think that's why uh, I think I think that's why it's so such a good convention. You know, if you have. A diversity in the fandom, diversity in people, and they're they're going to the south in 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 a good location. I feel like uh, it just uh, it's 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 a lot of fun. I, I've never I've never have come out of a Dragon Con maybe sick with Concred, but I have always enjoyed it <laughs> coming out of it. <laughs> well, you're definitely not going to get Concred from a live broadcast like this. So that's great news anyway. <laughs> that is great news. <laughs> that is great news. <laughs> and uh, uh, I also, Cecil, we, we talked at the top of the show, but you've been pretty quiet as we've gone on. Did you want to jump into the conversation and share any sure. stories I, about? Yeah, I just, uh, any, um, yeah, no, any stories. I, I, can, I can tell you a lot of stories, any any uh, anything that you want, I can tell you. Because I, I mean, I really enjoyed my life as a, a nerd. Um, it was uh, just having a lot of people to talk to about it. it it's really good, you know. Because um, I, I definitely came from a. I came from Ecuador, South America. That was like I was born here, but my family lived in Ecuador. So as soon as I was born, we went back. As I was. Uh, three months premature, and I was born in Asheville, North Carolina. So we went back and lived. Uh, I lived about 16 years in South America. Um, and what was hard is I. It, there was a lot of uh, uh, sci-fi or fantasy stuff thrust upon me by my parents uh, because they would bring stuff back from. Uh, United States, and but it wasn't that much, and so I always yearned for uh, more stuff, uh, you know, on hand stuff. Uh, and when I came to the United States, I pretty much devoured sci-fi like it, you know, like it was, like it was nothing, you know. So that's that's why I got involved in conventions, you know, because it was like uh, uh, we would go to uh, my first convention was in 2001 in. It was a anime convention, and I remember having so much fun. And people just kept telling me about uh, uh, DragonCon and how much fun it was. So in 2007, I went there, and it was it was mind blowing. And I've uh, we've I've tried to go ever since, but sometimes money and just uh, having the time to go has been an issue. But Nonetheless, it's always something that is on the books almost every year. And with COVID, if it doesn't happen, then it happened the next year. The thing is, is that it'll happen, and that's that's what you look forward to. And you know what? I think I think that right now is the golden age to be a Star Trek fan. I think that Star Trek is making a huge resurgence. Um, it started with the J.J. Abrams movies in 2009, which which brought a whole rush 
of fresh young people interested in Star Trek. And, you know, that it carried on with Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Lower Decks. And now we have Star Trek Prodigy, an animated series, which is going to be coming out. we got Star Trek uh, Strange New World, which is currently in production. And we have Star Trek Section 31. And then we have a currently as yet unnamed another Star Trek project, which is in the works, which it, all of that adds up to the greatest time to be a fan just right now. Yeah, yeah it's, absolutely. It's, here, here, here. It's here. so exciting. It, it yeah. seems like almost surreal. Like, like we went for so long. It was like, oh man, is Star Trek dead? Like, like I still have that <laughs> feeling. Like, is this is this actually happening? And it's so good. And you know, and we're in this period right now where we don't have you know weekly trek new trek to look forward to and it's just kind of like you know we've been spoiled this is depressing where's my my family that lives in the tv (laughs) (laughs) so we've we've gone back to like our 200 rewatch of ds9 but you know (laughs) it's gotta when i started this podcast um when i started trek talking in 2015 all we had was the, the kelvin movies and there was really nothing going on so we were talking about Star Wars and Doctor Who and, and kind of like Dragon Con. We were talking about all kinds of stuff on Trek talking. And then something wonderful happened. Then Discovery came along. And now we had something new. And then Picard came along. And then Lower Decks came along. And now Trek talking. And now we have the Klingon assault group that we're involved in as well. And now, now Trek talking can talk Trek, which is wonderful. Right. And I'm not, I'm not belittling. I don't want anyone to get. I'm not belittling any of those other genres that I talked about at all, because they're all part right. of me. But I just think that Star Trek, Star Trek is the one I think it deserves um, to be front and center because Star Trek's the one that started all this. If it wasn't for Star Trek conventions, you wouldn't have Dragon Con or any of the other cons. It all started with Star Trek. So it's yeah. really important to me to keep that alive. That that makes sense. Yeah, I know, uh, I, and I'm also a fan of many genres. You mentioned Doctor Who. I'm still a fan of Doctor Who. You're uh, 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 Star Wars. I'm still a fan of Star Wars and Star Trek. I I am more grateful for Star Trek. So when I met uh, Nico and Rydia, and uh, because they instilled more Trek on me, especially. Because I've never watched DS9, and I remember when we went to a convention at DS, to, to meet uh, a lot of the cast of DS9, uh, so they told me to binge watch DS9, and I feel like <laughs> that made me a bigger fan of Star Trek and made me appreciate Star Trek to the point where that is my favorite series of all time right now With, with in regards to, to Trek. I mean, I love Discovery right now. That's one of my favorite, but DS9 was like definitely eye-opening on the world of the Federation and Star Trek. That was a, you know, that was a good story. Yeah, there was a... I'm sorry, Jim. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, you brought up Discovery, and I got to say, I want to ask you guys... I want to have a little bit of fun. I want to ask you guys. I personally... I my I love Mary Chifo as Laurel. I just think she is spectacular. And when she gave that speech and she says... You can call me mother. I was like, oh my god, I loved it. I was like, I love her. Yeah, I was jumping. I love her, and I really, I, I love what they did with the Klingon in Discovery. And I know that's a, that's a big bone with a lot of a lot of Star Trek fans hated Discovery because of the Klingons. As a Klingon fan myself, uh, cosplaying as a Klingon, um, if you go back. Star Trek the Motion Picture, you will there's a book that came out called Star Trek the Motion Picture, the sketchbook. And in the sketchbook is a drawing of what Gene Roddenberry wanted the Klingons to look like in nineteen seventy nine when they did the motion picture, but they didn't have the technology to do it at that time. So they came up with what I call the spiny head look that Mark like Mark Leonard wore in the motion picture, which got refined to the turtle head look that we're all familiar with on TNG. But when Discovery came out, the Klingons truly looked alien, which was always Gene Roddenberry's intention, because for the Klingons to become friends with the Federation, he wanted them to be truly alien and and unhuman. 
so that when they became friends with the Federation, they were two completely different, um, totally different races coming together. And so when they made the Klingons look that way, that never really bothered me. What did you guys, uh, we'll start off with Cecil. What did you think about the new look of the Klingons for Discovery? Um, uh, I, uh, I am a person that doesn't get too much attached to a certain look and a certain actor. Uh, I, I like story-driven uh, uh, entertainment. So when you put uh, the, uh, the Klingons in that uh, stage in Discovery, it made total sense, you know, uh, because I guess in in this way that I grew I, I grew up with Star Trek with like the Klingons on um, the original series, and then they evolved into the Next Generation series. They always looked different, so it, to me that didn't, you know, I didn't I didn't get think it was uh, it didn't take me out of it. I was definitely in for the Klingons at the beginning, and it was I'm still am with the Klingons with the Discovery, even though they're not in the third season was, at all. I miss them. So, but, but I, I, I love them. That they, I, I love them. They actually talked Klingon and the Klingon sub, were, subtitles were in Klingon and then translated into English, which I thought was great. Um, Nico, what did you think about the Klingons as they were presented on Star Trek Discovery? Um, I, I have the same thoughts on it as, as you all. Um, I, I did not know that bit about the, um, the motion picture sketchbook, so thank you for that. But um, that, that's, that's a really cool thing to know. Yeah, I, with Discovery, I, I mean, I think with, with you know, advances in makeup and um, VFX, um, I, I think that we need to see the aliens look more alien. We need to know that they're not human. Um, not to go on a tangent, but like, uh, you know, the Klingons in TOS and to some extent TNG were, you know, very human looking, um, except, you know, their skin was brown. Um, so I think a, a departure from that is, is definitely welcome. Um, I, I think, I think a lot of fans feel the same way. Um, and I, I had heard somewhere that the Klingon that they spoke was actually the most, uh, authentic Klingon that has been spoken on screen in Star Trek history. Um, so I think they really wanted to do right by the fans. Uh, and, you know, not everyone's going to like everything, you know, TNG had its critics as well. Um, but yeah, I'm all for it. Um, I know that they had kind of, you know, brought the, the big hair back in, in season two, which I, you know, I, I like the look of that as well. So uh, I, I'm I'm kind of happy with whatever. Um, I I, I want to see aliens look more alien um, in general, so I'm I'm fine with with anything in that direction. And uh, Rydia, we're going to ask you the same question. Did I get your name right that time? <laughs> yes, you did. Um, so yeah, I I love that they look more alien. Um, but I I have to say I understand like that knee-jerk reaction when I started to see some of the new Andorians. I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, you're not good Andorians. I mean, I got over it. I was like, oh, I, I, right. I should have, uh, you know. <laughs> we'll yeah, get over it. About yeah they, actually, they, they actually have uh, four tentacles. They got the two big ones, and then there's two little ones underneath their eyes now that were never there before. Yeah. Right. Um. So, like, I understand, like, that first reaction, if it's, like, something that you're so used to and you, like, identify with and that you love. But, like, uh, other than that, I love I love that they look more alien. I love um, that, like, they're really, like, they're, they're, they have aliens actually speaking their native language more often. Like, I love that aspect of it. Because um, like the and also like showing how a universal translator works was great. I, like one yes. of the things I love about Star Trek is explaining technology. <laughs> right. So yeah. Yo. So yeah, I'm a fan. <laughs> and uh, Audrey, you get to bring up the caboose yeah. this whole topic. What, what what did you think about the new Klingon? The new look of the Klingon on dis- on Discovery. Yeah. Yes. Um. It looks, I mean, it looks amazing. 
It's mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I'll be, I don't think I'll be cosplaying as one of them anytime too soon. <laughs> I really like I really like the idea that there are room for these different kind of iterations uh, like in universe like maybe like they had split off onto different colony worlds and and, and evolution kind of like changed things a little bit so like I think there's room for coexistence you know both in fandom like what what uniform you want to take upon yourself as well as kind of like chilling a little bit about how things are presented in Trek like um, you know in, in in some Andorian groups that I've been in you know there's obviously a huge difference between Andorians as presented in TOS and then they have the kind of prehensile antennae in Enterprise and then you have you know like hair metal Andorian in TNG and you know you have tentacle eyebrows in Discovery I think there's room for, for everything and I, I don't I think that's kind of what doesn't take me out of it is I, I, I think seeing these uh, like in diversity within the different species is really cool to me. Yeah. I have to well, agree I think with that. It's, I think it's great here. Star Trek um, that they have the money now on these new Star Trek shows to go and, and give us something that we weren't able to get before because of TV budgets. And I think that's great. And um yeah, so guys, I want to ask you before we actually really do run out of time, um, did you enjoy our first Wild Frontier Quadrant Fireside chat? And do you guys think we might want to try to do something like this again? What do you think? Um, I'll go. For a little bit of context, yeah. the four of us live together, and we've all been getting a little weird for the past year. Um, so, um, yeah, I, this was um, this was great. It was really fun. I was initially kind of nervous as a um, a uh, an anxious introvert. Um, so I wasn't sure I was going to be able to um, participate uh, how I wanted to, but I, I think this went really well. And I think uh, I think your idea of having um, different ships come on and maybe um, some different topics is, is a great one. And I, I would, I would absolutely like to see this continue and help us get the word out about CAG and our amazing quadrant. Yeah, it's actually, it's, it's pretty easy. Uh, it's just like talking to your friends on the phone, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really not that the, some people are kind of afraid they don't want to come on the radio, but don't think of it as a radio. We're just we're just fans hanging out and talking. Pretty easy. Right, and I think, no pressure. I think there's a little bit of uh, relief since we're not on video because, uh, you know, speaking personally, I'm on Zoom for work like constantly, so not having to kind of like look at myself in the camera and make sure that like my background's okay and my, my face is okay. It's like, I, it's, it's kind of a relief. And I think that opens things up a little bit conversationally. And on, on our phone number, I'll say it again for guys that might be listening on, on podcasts at a later date. Um, it's 646-668-2433. It is currently Saturday the 13th and it's 5:58 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you're listening to this show and that's not the day and the time, then you're obviously listening to us on a podcast provider and that's fine. But when we do another live show, um, you'll have to tune in live and give us a call at 646-668-2433 and share your thoughts with us. So we're pretty much out of time. I want to say thank you to Cecil and Nico and Rydia and Audrey for hanging out with me tonight and making you. this first Wild Frontier Quadrant. My pleasure. Such a success. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for putting this together. Pleasure. And, uh, and uh, I, I uh, want to reiterate, uh, go to CAG.org and um, check out CAG. And uh, if you're in the Wild Frontier Quadrant, I will receive your application. I will be happy to reach out to you directly, and we can talk about your path to becoming the warrior of your dreams. <laughs> And keep your eye on our Facebook page because uh, once we get together and decide to schedule another one and we have some topics, I will get that out to you guys so you can definitely be fun and join us next time. I'm Uncle Jim from Trek Talk, and I'm also the commanding officer of the IKB Denial up here in Rutland, Vermont. I'm all alone, so please 
if you're in the area, look me up and join me. I'd love to have another fellow Klingon waving the batlet around with me up in Vermont. We can go up to Trek Conderoga and clash our batlet and have some fun. So I want to say to oh, everybody, so good. thank you for joining us. And uh, stay safe. Be good to each other. Kapla! 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 Let's see what's out there. Engage. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.